Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we, of course, are brothers on tennis. And look who we got. We finally got our pairing. We finally got our boys back on the show. Our fellas from At The Net. Fellas, it's been long overdue. Bryce, we've been waiting. You know, we, 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 we're repping them. They're repping us. What you got to say, Bryce? Look, I think you nailed it when you said long overdue. You know, we've said we were going to do this quarterly, but then life happens and we're all over the place and we're traveling, but we do stay in contact. And our listeners have been asking for us to get back together. So what you ask for, you shall receive. We have Craig Bell and AJ Chabria with us today. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome. Big, big thanks uh, for having us, and uh, cheers not just to you guys who we love, but also the BOT fam. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, man. Craig, how are you over there, sir? You know, I'm just kind of quiet, just taking it all in. I just can't believe we're here. It's uh, November the 20th of 2023. I was, trying to, I was asking AJ when our last collaboration was. I can't remember the last one, but I was certainly looking forward to tonight. Uh, I know that we had talked about it for a couple of days. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We were going to talk about that. And finally, good things, you know, finally come to, uh, you know, fruition for us. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing where we're going to go because I, I have no idea where we're going to go. <laughs> You're I, can, I can be Uncle CB if you need me to. So, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle CB. So, oh, yeah. so well, we're I'm about 2023 this year. You know, both the men's and the women's tour. You know, the the crazy thing is that some things were strangely familiar in 2023, and some things were completely new to us. Uh, but all in all, it, I was entertained. I thought it was a great year. AJ, your thoughts? Oh, man. I, uh, I'm going to take off on what you said. Strangely familiar was uh, Novak Djokovic winning three slams and the year-end number one and the uh, ATP finals in Torino. That was unbelievable and Herculean effort from that guy. And the things that took me by surprise, uh, and obviously I'm super tuned in, to see how this unfolds in 2024, but things like Coco Goff not just getting to the finals in singles and doubles of a slam, but going deep in doubles in everything and winning a slam, that was glorious. The other thing I felt took me by surprise was um, Nick Kyrgios being a mild-mannered reporter uh, on the tennis channel at the end of the year. <laughs> that guy, that's the first time I've ever seen him like, talk normally and sit up straight and smile a lot. That was awesome. So uh, I, I do think Chris Eubanks is the better broadcaster, but it was definitely entertaining to see the, that kind of commentary. So those are the surprises for me. And the other thing, I think the other not surprising thing was um, Iga Svantec winning a slam. And the surprises were people like Marketa Vondrosova winning a slam. That's Wimbledon. And Sabalenka, not just winning a slam, but getting to the finals of another one. Um, so there were some nice surprises. I like how how Bryce uh, kind of set that up, surprises and predictable stuff. So Isaac, you know, kind of your spin on those same well, you know, you know we, we talk, I feel like we talk a lot about the ATP and I want to make sure that I just kind of give some shine on that WTA side. A lot of what you were saying, I mean, I, first and foremost, again, Sabalenka, I want to give her her flowers. The fact that she came out in 2023 with a, a new mindset, a new attitude, jumped in there. I got the Australian Open, took that over and was like, yo, this is going to be my year. And honestly, it really was her year. I mean, she 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 really had a really fantastic 2023. Um, so I want to make sure we give some shine to her. Yeah, it didn't end the way that she wanted it to, because of course Iga did what Iga does, which is open up the bakery and say, Come on in, girls, I got I got snacks. So basically, you know, Iga did her thing. I think that, like you said, AJ Bondrosova Bond uh or uh, winning Wimbledon was definitely a surprise. I mean, where did that one come from? But again, you know, these things happen on the WTA tour. I feel bad for Anz Jabur because Anz is always oh. one of the favorites. 
And it was heartbreaking to see her lose that because that's what happened. She lost to that. Because if you look at who she had to beat to get to that final, incredible. She got there and either the tank was low or she got nervous or a combination, but unfortunately she didn't raise the title. So I feel for her. So I want to give her, of course, a big shout out. And like you said, AJ, Coco is just on my mind. Coco is, 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 I'm just so proud of that young lady and the fact that she was able to lift the U.S. Open Grand Slam title. They had footage of her as a young, young girl, you know, bouncing around. And the fact that she was able to get to the point where she won it um, is just is, is just absolutely incredible. But like I said, at the end of the day, Iga is who Iga is. And she came back around and was, was like, I, I may have slipped a little bit during this year, but I'm going to bring it back around. And I'm still going to let y'all know I am the I am the queen bee. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> Craig, let's throw it over yeah. to you. What about your thoughts on 2020? You know, I was thinking as, as you all were talking there, that's uh, uh, ATP and the WTA, they're in good hands. Uh, I think uh, even though Joker was uh, kind of the, the big winner in 2023, there are a lot of new names that came up uh, just recently, like a, a center that just uh, played really well, got to the to the finals, did not uh, perform very well because Joker, that dude, I thought he was going to be gone. But, you know, the guy is just like, he's like a cat. He has nine lives. Uh, also on the women's side, you know, four first time winners in the grand slam. So I think the ladies are pretty healthy, you know, from that standpoint. And you've got other couple other people that are kind of close, a couple of other ladies that are around also, you know, doubles wise, we got a shout out to our buddy from, uh, Texas A&M. That would be Austin Krychek ending up number one in the world. Uh, th- I mean, that's really f- great to see, uh, AK, uh, Andy's partner, Yvonne Dodich. Uh, number one in the world, uh, just kind of a team that was thrown together at the last minute. And if you look at like the ladies uh, doubles also too, uh, it wasn't just one-sided. It was won by uh, several different players on the, at the grand slam. So I think, you know, tennis is in a really good, good way right now, even though pickleball says that they're better than tennis, <laughs> according to uh, fake news uh, Come on on, now. Come on, the, on. On, the, on the internet, you know, tennis, there's a lot of great things that are going on in the world of tennis. The great game is still great. It's all over the, the world right now. Uh, there's, uh, you know, play over in Italy. There's play in Mexico. There's play in, you know, it's back in China again now. Saudi Arabia, Australia, United States. I mean, the great game is still great. So I, I, I just think that the depth is really good. Uh, Joker's still on a, on, on a uh, uh, different plane than everybody else. Alcaraz isn't too far behind, but uh, there are some really big names that are that are uh, in the works that are coming up, ready to take over. You know, for 2024, I think the women's game is it's pretty much an open uh, uh, book right there for anybody to take it if they want to. Iga is is good, and you know she's she won a couple couple of big big events, but uh, there's some other people that are right on her, uh, on her heels also too for 2024. So those, that's my take. Right. Well, you know, I want to kind of expound on something you were just talking about, and that's the doubles, and I want to talk specifically about the women's doubles. Part of this Isaac and I have kind of talked about, I want to talk about two teams in particular. Now, Krychikova and Sayakova have been running things over the last couple of years, Uh, but they just recently announced that they're not going to be playing together next year which was really interesting to me considering it's an Olympic year, right? So Mm -hmm. that was an odd thing for me. So in addition to that, Isaac has brought up a couple of times, you know, with the success that Coco and Pagula have seen in singles, are we going to see them competing as much in doubles as we have in the past? Because, you know, does that start to take a toll on some of the singles results? I'm curious on your guys' thoughts. I'll, I'll weigh in first. Um, I think you see more of the, hey, let's do more singles, let's split up, let's not play as much dubs because slams have three out of five and things like this. I feel like it helps their doubles, and I always am uh, charged by how positively they both speak about their doubles. Granted, it's not their first thing, like Sinyakova and uh, Krejcikova, it was kind of their their big deal until Krejcikova started winning, like got getting to the semis and finals, and actually winning one Roland Garros. Right in in men's tennis, I think there's that wall, and in women's tennis, I think it does nothing but help. I'm not saying that doubles is why Coco got so good. I'm sure her own personal resolve. I'm sure a little bit of Pere Riba, a little bit of Brad Gilbert. I know Pere is not on the team anymore, but um, I'm, I'm sure it was various factors, but 
I just can't help but think that the returning and the serving and the better forehand return and the going to the net volley skills from doubles helped her. And I feel that way about Jesse Pagula, who went up. I don't know how many percent you guys would say, but she increased her level toward the end there. And maybe it's her perspective. Maybe it's her fearlessness. Maybe it's that she kept the, I'm going to use a, 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 a strange expression, but that Andy Murray defense, she kept that going while adding a little bit of the, you know, Jesse Pagula playing doubles offense into her singles. And I, I remember thinking of her as, oh God, everybody loves her. Pagula's awesome, but she doesn't really have any weapons and she's not that spectacular. She just doesn't miss and she understands how to win. Well, she's more than that now. And maybe it was the doubles. I don't know, whatever it is. I just feel like there's a little more synergy in top women's doubles and top women's singles compared to men's uh, singles and dubs. That's my take. Isaac. Oh, I thought you were going to go okay. to Craig. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just waiting to see where they're going. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, and, and, and I've said this on shows, IG recordings, what have you. Um, I think that for Coco and for Jess I, and AJ, I agree with everything that you just said. Um, I think their game has improved because of the doubles. Um, but I do feel like at a certain point, if you are going to be really, truly focused on getting Grand Slam championships, you are going to have to really kind of narrow your focus and, and hit singles. And, and I use Sabalenka as the example of that in, in recent in recent years. Sabalenka played doubles with uh, Elise Mertens, Mertens. And they got to number one in the world. They did big things. And then Sab, Big Sab was like, you know what? While this is all good, yeah. <laughs> the end result is trying to get number one and be and, and get more grand slams and get singles grand slams. And so she had to let that partnership go in order to focus in on her singles journey. And look what it produced in 2023. That so was large. Specifically, I think that Coco and Jess should continue to play doubles through 2024. And I say that only because it is an Olympic year. I do feel like they should go and get that get that gold. If you can get it, go get it. But at that point, at the end of 2024, honestly, I don't want to see them playing together anymore. I want to see both of them focusing in on their singles because, to me, that is what you get your true visibility and shine for is those singles grand slams. And I just believe that that is, in my opinion, that is definitely Coco's, that is her path. That is her journey. Greg? Yep. Well, I sit here looking up some, some you, you all got me thinking here for a second. And there's only nine people in the world who have ever been ranked number one in singles and doubles. And so, uh, you know, it, it's really difficult to win singles and then, you know, bounce back and then also play doubles because usually, you know, doubles is uh, played at, at, at an hour. That's not uh, known for, for uh, playing, playing or doing anything. It's usually for sleeping. And so it's usually well into the night. And those, those folks who play singles want to get a little rest. And so it's, it's a, it's a very small group of individuals who've ever been ranked number one in the world in both singles and doubles. The money is too big in singles right now. Uh, I'd, I'd like it to, to have gone back and be like it was maybe 40 years ago when the money wasn't quite as, uh, it was more evenly distributed maybe, and that's why they played uh, singles and doubles. I think it, it definitely improves one's game because, you know, AJ and I are both uh, uh, fans of doubles and singles. You know, McEnroe uh, didn't like to practice, and he was always known for, for playing doubles because he said that was where he practiced uh, most of his, his tennis was on the doubles court. But, you know, I think, I think the game has, has evolved too far along to where it's, uh, you know, the prize money is just uh, ridiculous on the single side. Uh, I've, I've advocated for several years now, uh, those who would listen, which is uh, basically one, that's me. Uh, there, there should be a doubles and a mixed doubles tour, and they should, should separate and, and be their own people. And hopefully, uh, you know, then meet up at the, at the slams and then go back into their doubles and mixed doubles tour. And that way they'd get better known and they would be able to uh, uh, maybe have some recognition, get some prize money because it's just they don't they're just they're playing at two in the morning or, you know, whenever that that they can get a court. They're on the back courts basically also, too, that nobody ever uh, really pays attention to. So unfortunately, some excellent players that uh, are not being showcased and, you know, there for a while. I couldn't tell you who's number one in the world in both in, in doubles or mixed doubles. There's, it it uh, was. Uh, you know, now I'm a little bit more interested uh, in what's going on, but still uh, there for a while, 
you know, we could tell you who the top 10 are and you probably could, couldn't name uh, eight of them, maybe two of them you might recognize. But yeah, I think so, so those days are gone, but you know, it's great to see people making money. There's no question. We want people to make money in the game, but at the same time, you know, doubles and mixed doubles, they're just kind of relocated to, to the back courts and just kind of in and total and complete anonymity. And it's not, you know, right for them, but uh yeah, I don't know if it'll ever change, but I think that they should should go on their own and, and have their own tours. And then at the slams or the big ones, the, the ATP, you know, 1000s or the, the big WTA events, maybe come back together. But then if they want to get any recognition, they're going to have to separate as opposed to if, if they stay together with the singles people, singles people aren't going to let them, you know, get, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the visibility and the nice times at two o'clock in the afternoon. So they're going to be playing at two in the morning. So you know, when most people are asleep. So but that's just my thought. Okay. So let me turn it over to AJ. What's on your mind from 2023? Oh, on my mind, um, for me, it's kind of fun to talk about. Uh, you know, I don't really care too much about whether that celebration was good or not. Um, I'm talking about Ben Shelton and Novak, uh, you know, the friction, but I just enjoy that kind of tennis. And, I know we all love Casper Rude, who's just a great guy, but it's so exciting to watch Ben Shelton, even though his ranking is not quite Casper Rude's yet. For me, I, I'd like to see more Ben Shelton's. I'd like to see more uh, attacking, beautiful tennis like Yannick was starting to bring at the end of the year. Uh, actually, even Novak Djokovic, who honestly, I, I, I have got this bias because back in 2011, 12, 13, when he was – uh, starting to beat up on Rafa and Roger with that unbelievable lockdown mode and dis defensive tennis. And he was actually weirdly better at tie breaks than Roger Federer. I was not used to that. Right. Um, and here he is taking every lesson he can take from every win or loss to Roger, Rafa or anybody. And he's serving better. His second serve stands out for me. And I used to think of him as no better than Andy Murray on the second serve his drop shots, his uh, serve volley, uh, the acrobatics that, again, he'll never beat Pete Sampras, but I just see a little bit of his love for Pete, his love for Roger. And he always said that, but I never believed it. And now you watch him play tennis and you're like, all right, it's a different guy and he's added something. And that's what you got to do to win that many slams after the age of 30, 32, 34. Dude is 36 and he just added three to his tally. Plus the 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 uh, I guess the seventh year end, so it's just and as much as I, I'm not as much of a fan of his as I am of uh, Rafa and Roger, that's got to be a highlight for me, and I got to mention it. And back to the beautiful tennis. Um, who else is playing beautiful tennis? Stands out for me is Mukova lost in a U.S. Open semi and a French uh, Roland Garros final. That girl is playing some beautiful tennis, and I want to see more of that. I realize she's not, you know, in the top three or four in the rankings, but hopefully she's going to be. And then, you know, can we get a little negative here? I was very, very hot on the way Caroline Garcia played at the end of last year, about a year ago right now, something like 54 years ago, weeks ago. Craig and I and a bunch of our friends saw a lot of tennis, good, attractive, serve volley and serve an approach. An angled volley style tennis from Caroline Garcia won the WTA finals in Fort Worth last year. Um, and what happened to her this year? I mean, she looks fit, but she's not. She's getting the ball in, but then she's not winning matches. So that's on the negative side for me. Those are my highlights, Bryce. Sounds good. Isaac, your highlights. I love that. First, I want to kind of piggyback on a lot of what AJ said. <laughs> and, I, and I agree that I'll go backwards. So the Caroline Garcia, I think you are spot on with that. And what the difference is, is it's that high risk tennis that she plays. If you don't have the utmost confidence, that little dip will cost you tons of matches. We, we She was on her game last year. Like I said, I'm a Caroline Garcia fan. So I was really excited when I saw her playing at that yeah. top level. But it's that little bit of confidence. If your confidence gets shaken just that much and you have that type of a game style, your game can plummet. And that's, to me, what has happened with Caroline Garcia is she's lost a little bit of the confidence and it has made a massive effect on her results, unfortunately. 
Um, what I will also say, and like I like you, and like all of us, well, I, I can't speak for Craig, but I know how Bryce feels. Um, <laughs> Novak Djokovic, hey, may not be the favorite, but I'm gonna tell you what. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what. You gotta give Novak Djokovic his flowers because that fool showed out in 2023. He showed out, and the way that to me he rebounded in this tournament after Sinner jumped up on him and was like, "All right, I got you. We in Italy. I'm about to show this crowd. I'm this new thing. Boom, boom." Novak Djokovic was like, mm -hmm, "Okay, okay." that's that's cool you know you do you i'm just here playing my tennis and i'm gonna tell you what and we can talk about this um they talked about sitting there had the opportunity to, to not let joke and it's the same scenario that happened years back with simona Halep and serena williams because simona had the ability to knock serena out of the wta finals she didn't do it and guess what Serena got up in there and whipped them girls, <laughs> and she ended up winning. And that's exactly what Djokovic does. You don't give goats second chances. And mind you, I respect Center, and I would not have done anything differently. You got to go out there. You got to play your game, win the match. You know, you you do what you have to do. So I get that. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, <laughs> I'd been like, yo, Hoger, you know? <laughs> Um, I'm going to hit a couple of little shots a little wide here. Ain't nobody going to know. And we're going to let you slide up in the finals. But I'll, just, I'll leave that alone. Um, other highlights, man. I, I'm just proud of Big Banks. Big Banks. I, I can't really say enough about Chris Eubanks. Just so proud of him and that summer run that he had. Um, like I said, the fact that he started out in Indian Wells in Miami. And again, and, and we talked about this on the show. We were like, just skip the clay. Skip the play because we you got the you've got you've got your mind in a good space. Don't go on the clay, take all these losses, and then you're just gonna be all kind of no, skip it. Go use that as a practice window and get ready for grass, which we know is your surface. He did exactly that and he showed out. And I just am so, so happy and proud of Chris Eubanks. I just to me, I can't say enough about that young man. And and he's a great broadcaster. Mm -hmm. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> he really, really is. Craig, your highlights. Okay. So I've got uh, kind of broken down into uh, a couple different categories. There's a famous movie called The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. And uh, that was back in the 60s. So I like movie references right there. My good is Ben Shelton and Coco Golf. I mean, uh, props to those two players right there. What a what a breakout career. Those two, uh, Ben's currently number 17 in the world, Coco number three in the world. I mean, you can't ask for, and they're trending up right there. I would say that those two have a really good 2024 ahead of them. Uh, the bad, uh, you know, I would say FAA. What happened to FAA? Where'd that guy go? You know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I, did he lose his mojo? You know, as Austin Powers said, you know, he lost his mojo or, and then also, he does something, you know, so I don't know what. And then, you know, you've got Ange Jabur. What happened to her? You know, I mean, she she uh, kind of lost lost the mojo there for a while also, too. It seemed like, you know, she was going really well. And then all of a sudden, just kind of hit the skids all of a sudden. I, I mean, I like her personally. I mean, I like FAA personally, too. And then uh, the ugly, what happened to Sebi Corda? Where's that gone? I mean, that's that has gone down the, the toilet. I think you got to flush that one down the down there. Then along with... Uh, Sonia Sophia Kennan, uh, you know, whichever her name is right there, you know, former, you know, Grand Slam champion. Uh, you know, I know she's probably injured, but you, you, you all see her, you know, coming back, you know, as far as far as her tennis game. I just haven't seen seen much of her, uh, you know, around. And, you know, I always kind of question uh, Elena Ostapenko also, too, you know, not only for her tennis, but her wardrobe uh, choices as well. That, that's <laughs> that that's no, that is just I don't know who dresses her, maybe Garanimals or maybe, uh, you know, yeah, you know, so, something. I, I'm just kind of always wondering. That's an Uncle CB quote right there. Sorry about that, guys. So Love it. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle CB just showed up in, in uh, on the uh, Brothers at the Net. Sorry about that. But, uh, you know, that's I just always wonder about about that outfit. It's just like, you know, sorry. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, right, you know so. what? You guys hit most of, you know, my highlights. The one thing that I would yeah. add is I would say 2023 was a year for the OGs coming back. We had great performances from Gael Monfils. Oh, yes. Acting like he wants to beat somebody. His wife came back 
like she had actually she came back better than when she left. Yeah. She, she's another one of those players that really didn't have any weapons. She was fast. She could she could run down a lot of balls. I guess Gael got with her on that forehand, and now she has a weapon on that forehand. Love and it. a lot of ladies on the tour don't like it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was great. And although we only got a small sampling of it, I am very interested in seeing what Wozniacki is going to do in 2024 because yeah. she was very fit. She stepped back out on the court like she hadn't been gone for very long. Mm. So yep. I just want to shout out to the OGs, you know, welcome back. And they're going to, I think they're going to make their presence known on the tour in 2024. That's a fantastic point. Uh, while we're talking about Svitolina, um, you know, I know some people used to call her Speedolina. She's so quick. And like you said, not a lot of weapons. Added the forehand, comes back from having a child, and she's just as fast as she was when she was in her 20s. Will Naomi Osaka come back just as fast as she yeah. were as she was before she had a child? Exactly. And the thing that I love about what I'm hearing about Osaka or several things. Number one, we all saw the picture, her with Andre and Steffi and Brad Gilbert. So we know those are the right people to be with. Um, we know her coach who left, uh, who was it, Queenie, Queenie. Uh, on the side of the court to go back to Osaka. Uh, so she's getting her coach back. I like the fact that she said she's going to play a lot. Yeah, that was she, huge. She truly understands that probably the first couple of months, she's going to take <laughs> out, right? Uh, it's going to take her a minute, you know, and we've been telling our followers, don't expect the first match, the first tournament that Osaka comes to that she's going to be in the semifinals. You know, it's a big difference between practicing and playing those mm-hmm. matches. But I do think she'll catch her stride by midseason, and it will be interesting to see um, h- how she puts herself in the mix of things. Absolutely agree. I think it's the summer hardcore is when we really will will see true Naomi Osaka tennis. I think that she will use Australia, the Sunshine Double. All of that is going to be her, you know, okay, let me get back into things. Let me find my rhythm. Let me get, you know, let me see where I'm at. Let me see where I'm at after I've had a child. I honestly feel like she should do what we talked about with Chris Bubanks. She needs to take the play and the grass season, take it off and use that as a practice block. Because at that point, you've played three months. You know what your positives are. You know where your gaps are. Use that window of time instead of messing with your mind, because we know that that's, those two are not her surface, surfaces. Use that as a training block. Go on, enjoy having, you know, be with the baby and enjoy family time and practice. Work on those things. So that way, when you come back on the summer hardcore, which we know is your favorite surface, you can get out there and you can do something and you can actually contend at the U.S. Open. That would be my uh, I, I, w- I would throw that at Naomi and say, this is something you should consider. Did, did you all see also, too, I'm, I'm looking online also, too, the, the uh, R&D department for Athenet, uh, Brothers Athenet. Uh, September 15, 2023, three-time Grand Slam uh, winner uh, alongside fellow tennis star Pat Rafter, Ash Barty on Friday helped Queensland Tourism and Sports Minister Sterling Hincliffe announced the return of the Brisbane International in 2024 and might be a possibility she might be returning to the court. Have you, did you all see that? I can't believe it. I, I haven't seen that. I still I can't haven't believe seen it. Either, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. It's, it said, I, uh, I, I see this as a one off, as a show up and play. I don't right. see it as a commitment like Naomi has made, but God, it's just so awesome to see that girl play, Ashley Barty. Yeah. Right. Well, that that would be interesting for her if she were to come back and really play. That would be a really interesting tour at that point. You know, you've got, you know, she, and she's another one that I, I just don't, see, I, I think she got tired, you know, a couple of years ago traveling when COVID was around and she had to stay out of Australia for what, eight or nine months. And then that kind of took a toll on her. And then she, you know, wanted to have a kid and, you know, I mean, you know, we want to have a life. But then at the same time, she's like, uh oh, you know, tennis is, you know, I, I think I can do this. And so that would be really interesting to throw her in the mix as well. If she were to come back and start hitting balls and seeing that that uh, textured slice backhand that AJ talks about all the time, that texture, he likes texture. And uh, I, th- I think she could, she could provide a lot of uh, whaling and gnashing of teeth up there for several people that, at the top. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see if this is, uh, um, a possibility 
So it's it's so yeah, along with those when you said wailing and gnashing of teeth, it made me think of, um, you know, the world was kind of robbed of the Ega Barty rivalry. Right. I'd be curious to see how Barty Slice would do against Coco and you know the, basically the dominant players of this day: Coco, Sabalenka, Rybakina, people like that. Uh, Anjibor has clearly learned something from her. It's maybe not always effective against big hitters like Ega, relentless movers yep. like Ega. But right. the person who uses a little bit of that texture, who has had great success against Iga, is Barbara uh, Krejcikova, who you can feel like she's probably channeling some of that texture and the softball right. and then the boom, uh, you know, the two-hander, but also the one-handed slice. There's a little bit of Barty in there. So, you know, who knows if we'll see an actual big name uh, or big tournament matchup between the two. But CB, I'm glad you did that research. Yeah. Well done there. That, yeah, yeah, I'm that, sitting here looking. Yeah, you know, I just thought that uh, be interesting to see. I know she's written a book. It says also too she's she's doing a lot of things. I mean, you know, tennis tennis people actually have have some other things that go on. I mean, I like all the the ventures that Serena and Venus are into. I think that's really interesting to see. Not only have they uh, prepared on court, they prepared off court as well, and hopefully a, a lot of other. Uh, famous uh, tennis players, you know, Roger's done the same thing. I think he's transitioning in, into uh, the off court world, you know, fairly well. Uh, probably Rafa has, uh, I don't know about the others, but you know, you certainly see Serena and Venus, you know, they do a lot of things off court that uh, are going to keep them in the public's eye for a long time. So, uh, you know, they do have the money to do it now. So it's, which is great. Like I said, and that's why singles is, is uh, the, the definite moneymaker of, of the, of the three doubles and mixed doubles uh, possibilities. So, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see Ash come back and see what uh, she, what she can do, you know, cause that, that gal, she can run like the wind and has that beautiful backhand like Steffi Groff that used to hit that didn't really hit over it all the time, but man, she could yeah. do some damage with that textured slice backhand that AJ love talks it. about all the time. Love it. Well, speaking of people that have been away from the court, um, a storyline for 2023 were the number of people that got caught for having five on it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I put a five on it. <laughs> we have mm. Simona Halep, you know, we have Mikhail Emer, who mm. actually ended up retiring. We've recently had, right. uh, <laughs> you know, what what's up with the whole uh, doping or at least suspension for suspected doping? On, in the tennis world, it's uh, it's not as clean as we thought, is it? The game? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> we just didn't know about it. You know, we, we were drinking; they were drinking water. So that's just uh, straight, straight water. <laughs> I do believe that some of it can be political. If I'm being honest with you, I do think that because we've heard stories of where. You know, certain people kind of are quote unquote targeted. Others kind of get a lot of passes like they, you know, you're supposed to take your test on, you know, this many times, this many, you know, on this frequency. And we've heard, you know, that there have been, you know, other more popular people and or players um, who are not held to that same um, uh, level of strictness. Um, so, you know, without not having a lot of data in it, there there is definitely a little bit of sketch ar around it. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, what, what do you do? I mean, if you are the target, then, you know, you just have to make sure that you are being extremely disciplined about what you intake and keep yourself extremely clean. I mean, that's just at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to get into the match fixing cause there are four or five people busted for that. And, and, and I'm talking about that when I say the sport isn't as clean as we thought it was, but I want to ask you guys, cause you guys have had real conversations with uh, Patrick Moratoglu. Um, Moratoglu uh, defended her and then took some responsibility for the Halep problem. Uh, what's your take on that? And is it uh, they have to just be more careful or they have to actually say no to their coach uh, who, who wants them to take some supplements that th th they trust? I mean, they, like you're paying this guy and you trust this guy. What's your take on it? And is that where Mikhail Imer fell into a trap? You know, I, I don't know. I'm asking mainly. Well, I, well, speaking of Emer uh, and even Brooksby, they oh, yeah. fall into this category where there are these out-of-tournament uh, 
tests where tests. you know, and I didn't even I didn't even understand how this worked uh, before. Apparently, tennis players have to let this agency know where they're at every day of the year, whether they're in a tournament or not. And so if they're not in a tournament and Emer and Brooksby have both claimed this to be their situation where they have missed tests because of something where their hotel got changed. Yeah. That was out of their control. And so now the people go to test them. They're not at that hotel. It goes down as a miss. They're allowed to get three of those a year. And I think both, if I'm not mistaken, I know this is true for Emer, but maybe even for Brooksby, neither one of them contested like the first two that they missed. They acknowledged that they missed. But the third one they are stating was completely out of their control. Their room got changed by either the tournament or Emer was out of, wasn't even playing a tournament that year and something happened where the people went to the wrong hotel. You know, it's that for, for, for you to be put out of the game, not to be able to play, not to be able to make any money, not to be able to get any points. I don't think you can have something as loosey goosey as that, you know, uh, and then, you know, some people say, well, you have three opportunities. So they missed two and now they put themselves at risk by being only down to one. Yeah. But still, if you can legitimately have three misses a year and back to what Isaac was saying, we've kind of heard behind the scenes that there have been other players, maybe with bigger profiles, uh, who have missed more than three mm-hmm. and it hasn't been. A suspension type situation for them. They didn't even get called out for it. Yeah, this is what you meant by uh, politis- politicizing something or a, a bit of favoritism is basically what I'm hearing. Speaking of uh, things yeah. you hear, Craig and I were part of a, this thing called an athletic forum where John Isner, the recently retired John Isner, Davis Cup uh, USA guy, um, spoke. And he was the only speaker. He was asked a bunch of great questions, one of them by Craig Bell himself. But uh, <laughs> Uh, and that was kind of funny. I'll let him get to that. But the question that meant so much to me was um, he answered it so deeply. It was about retirement and what he what does he not miss and things like that. And he kind of jokingly said that, you know, I don't miss having to tell the doping agency exactly where I am every day at six in the morning and nine at night you know, like that. So I thought that was funny. Not that he would do these drugs, but th- there is some stress about, like you said, what Jensen what some of these guys have to be really, really on the ball about, not just tennis and training and food and supplements, but letting them know where they are. So I thought that was odd because, you know, John's a wonderful guy and a responsible guy, but I'm also thinking like, you have a phone, man. Like why hang anxiety over? Like it's easier than ever to tell authorities where you are at this moment. It's a lot easier than it was in the eighties or nineties when uh, we were playing college tennis or trying to play, a little bit of pro tennis and whatever, like th- that would have been rough because there were no cell phones then. So part of me empathizes and I get what Isner said and I love it. But part of me is like, bro, is it really that hard? Yeah, no, I, th- I, I think it's called muy estupido, as the Spanish would say. <laughs> so. you know, it's your profession, your professionals, you know, you know, there, there's not, you're not an amateur. You got to act like, you know, anything that I'm going to be taking, I better darn know what, what's going into my body. And uh, like I said, I know this is high quality H2O. Ad, Adam Sandler and the water boy would appreciate that. But, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm going to be professional, put it out there by my name, you better, you know what? I'm going to know exactly what's going on. And yeah. Like AJ said, it's like, come on, you know, we got phones here. You can ping somebody and you know where they are. And, and I mean, it's, you know, I, I know, how, how to how to I'm 63. I can figure out how to tell people where I am. In, yeah, know, in, in, in my head, I, yeah. in my head, yeah. I, I I used the I just made the joke that yeah. he could have had a bot. He could have gotten Chat GPT to, yeah. to tell the guy, look, I'm at this hotel right. now. I'm not at that one. Right. Like, These kids have it all wired. Like what Jensen, figure it out, bro. Like he could have <laughs> done that. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I did I did ask the question. I said, John, knowing that you're now you're retired. I go, I'm on a USTA team and we need an extra doubles player. Would you be interested in playing next weekend? So he started, he started, he started, he started laughing and he kind of looked at me. 
he thought that was kind of funny. You know, so I, you know, I'm always, I always uh, am there for uh, yucks and hilarity as far as uh, my, anything that I do. I'm, I'm never so there funny. In any serious content, that's, that's AJ, you know, so he's, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's the guy that gets tested all the time on the, po- <laughs> in the world of, of podcasting. He, he, he takes the, the, uh, all the, uh, the, the tests for podcasters. So they don't <laughs> ever, they, they, they know that I, they, I, they don't worry about me. So, but he probably needs to look at your UFC 18 because the word on his yeah. pickleball game. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't saying, I'm just saying, you know, word on the mm. curve is, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you didn't have a lot of yeah. touch in tennis, uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he needs to go back to his day job. If he's going to do that, you know, so let's put it that like, way. Like serving up here, right? Up yeah, here. Yeah. Right. That's right. Right. Yeah. Uh, no. We, we've seen we've seen some celebrity pickleball around Dallas. All of a sudden, Dallas has become the mecca of pickleball. And there's been a couple of celebrity things going on. And I'm sitting there going, whoo, man. Yeah, he and Dirk played together one time. I mean, that's two seven-footers right there. Yeah. Was, you know, so that's hard to lob over those guys. But you can dink them to death. But they can't mm-hmm. bend down. But. But yeah, that's uh, they need to so uh, probably. I'm sure they're glad that they uh, did not play professional pickleball, and the money is not that great either. You know, those those folks. Just a side note here, real quick. They were they were so impressed about, and and Brickhaven did a really nice job. We just had pickleball nationals, but they were advertising two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in prize money, which is no small sum. But that's divided out amongst a lot of different categories. And it's like two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, that's that's a bad second round at the U.S. Open. I was kind of like, hey, pickle, pickleball, come on, you know. You know, and they had like thirty-five thousand people. I go, that's a bad day session at the U.S. Open, thirty-five thousand. So, you know, pickleball's got a long way to go. I mean, that's uh, no. I, I love the enthusiasm. I love to play pickleball, and I'm I'm a, a coach on both the uh, both organizations. So, I mean, I play pickleball. I, I uh, fully uh, in behind the sport, but they got to temper th- their enthusiasm just a little bit because it, it's not uh, tennis, and the great game is still going to overwhelm them for a few, little bit. So, yeah, two hundred fifty thousand. I was like. Wait a minute. Okay, that's great. You know, but you know that's that's if you can get to the second round, you're making that at the U.S. Open. You know, so yeah. <laughs> oh, man. that's that's Funny. my that's my two cents. That's my two cents. Spend it wisely. As I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I want to ask you a question about okay. something that I've observed in, I guess, uh, and I'll focus it in on um, uh, 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 Carlos Alcaraz. Carly goes, um, you know, can't, you know, he has been, you know, lights out for the last, you know, year and a half, two years here since he jumped on the scene. Um, when you think back to that match that he played against Djokovic in Cincinnati, it seemed like he was really exhausted, really emotional. And I feel like the remainder of his year kind of reflected a lot of that. He looked like he's mentally tired and, He's still exciting. He's still, you know, all of that. I still see double digit slams in that kid for sure. But do you think, are you feeling as though there is some level of mental fatigue happening right now with Carlos Alcaraz? I'd like to jump out Mm. on that. He said it himself. Mm. He came out in an interview and he said, he's only been on the professional tour for a couple of years. And what was made clear to him this year is it's not just about your body being able to last to the end of the year. Your mind's got to as well. And he said that is a place where he wasn't at yet. And he recognized that that was an area of growth for him. And and, and I love you, Isaac, you said it on one of our shows and, and you were just dead on when you said, look, y'all, this guy's what, 20 years old. He's already been number one. He's already got two majors on his belt. He's going to be all right. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to have some you know, ups and downs probably for the next couple of years. But if this guy is able to play, let's say like a Djokovic and Roger and Rafa to his mid thirties, at least the sky is still the limit for this guy. But I think he agrees even himself that he has to improve on enduring the full year mentally to, to be able to perform his best. Now, I'm very interested in hearing what Rafa thinks about that because I know Rafa 
plays a similar type of game. AJ, did you talk to Rafa or anything and did he talk about his thoughts on Carlos? <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlos, no, he's going to work hard. No, he's the best. He's the... Uh, He's like me, only younger. No, he's gonna be great. Uh, I, I, I actually I appreciate the the Rafa <laughs> reference. I, I just wanted to uh, horn in that you know Rafa is coming back soon, and he's talking about how well he's playing. So we need to mention that on this show. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, I when I read what Bryce just mentioned that Carlos said, um, if I may add, Juan Carlos Ferrero also said. Look, he's got a lot to learn. I love hearing mm. that. When Carlos messes something up, he says, look, I'm learning. Like like that Roland Garros was a debacle um, in the, I guess it was third set and having to stop uh, semifinals of Roland Garros. Not too shabby. Against, you know, Novak Djokovic. Not too shabby. So it's not the end of the world. And they know it. And they're all about growth mindset. And they don't get all depressed and triggered about Stupid little stuff. And I love how resilient that kid is. So that's where I'm 100% with Isaac. The negative part of me is like, yo, I don't want what happened to Dominic team to happen to Carlos. I don't want Nico Masu, who might have tried to caution Dominic, like, don't overplay, but but I love to play. But, I, you know, I, I love to play more. I don't want that to happen to Carlitos. I, I would love for it to be uh, mental growth. And physically, uh, you're fine. But physically, sometimes you got to take a couple weeks off here and there and recharge this and get back on the horse and things like this. So, you know, it, it pains me to see, was it Zverev who just beat him in the, in the Nitto, in the Torino? Yeah. Th- that hurt a little bit. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to see mm-hmm. that. I wanted Carlitos yeah. to, you know, go undefeated and get to the semis. He did get to the semis with a 2 and one record. But when he got to the semis, you know, the Grim Reaper, the actual Novak Djokovic, the best in the world, asserted himself. And he did the same with, with uh, Yannick. So, you know, no shame in losing to that. And I, I have this feeling that they actually believe it in here, that there's no shame in that loss, that it's all about growth. And we aren't even 21 years old, 21 years old yet. Let's go. Let's have a great Australian mm-hmm. Open. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I've got one thought here as you all were talking and, and I, I started thinking about this. There, there's a mindset when you're the hunted instead of being the hunter. It, it's, it's a lot different, you know, when you're, you know, out there hunting for something as opposed to somebody hunting you. You know, when the bullseye's on you as opposed to you looking for the bullseye from other places, it's, it's definitely a, a change in mindset. And, and I'm being serious on that. No, I've never been number one, but I just know that I, I can imagine when – it shifted to him, you know, trying to catch everybody. Now all of a sudden everybody's trying to catch him. That's a little different mindset. And I think that's where the mental fatigue, it's not the physical, everybody's got the physical tools out there. It's just the mental tools that, uh, of, of being number one. And then you look around going, Oh crap, everybody's you know trying to catch me now, as opposed to me trying to catch everybody. So that's just my thought on, as you yeah. all were talking, which are all, all great points. And I just, it just, uh, I just wrote this down that, uh, hunted instead of the hunter, you know, that, that's a big different mindset change. And I, I bet you the, for the first time, that was back in September of 2022 that he became number one. So it's been a full year. He's been being the hunted as, as opposed to for, you know, 20 years, 19 years trying to catch everybody. He did. And now all of a sudden, you know, wait, wait a minute. He looks around like, oh, people are after me now. It's like, oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? So different mindset, well, I think. Well, you know who else said that, which is going to be very interesting watching 2024 was Ega. Mm. Right. Eva said she learned a lot. She said she got drained being number one and everybody coming after her. But she said she has learned now how to appreciate that role. And 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 hearing her say that, I'm going to go out here and make the first prediction for 2024. Uh oh. I think Ega is going to clown next year. I think Ega is going to win two, if not three, of the majors next year. Interesting. Right. Right here. Breaking news. (laughs) I absolutely agree. Yeah, because Isaac and I have talked about this. If Ega mentally is zoned in, her aggressive style of play just really overwhelms most of her opponents. And she can handle the players that hit hard. 
She can handle the players that hit with finesse. And, you know, you hear the other players talk about they feel like they're always on the defense with her. Now, granted, she's always going to have a day off here or there. Things won't be right. But we've seen that she's pretty consistent with her game. And if you've noticed that backhand has shored up, she's getting that serve better. And I mentioned on one of our shows who she actually is reminding me of now is modern day Steffi. Steffi Graf. Yes. <laughs> she's doing that really short footwork and working around to that forehand. And she's just serve and forehand. And she may not have the slice that Steffi has, but, you know, the last time we saw people handing out and having a bakery like Ega has routinely, Ega set records this year yeah. for the number of bagels that she hand, handed out. We haven't seen those type of performances really since Stephanie. I'm. Is she uh, going to start? Is she going to start using the 200G again from Dunlop? Are you going to break that news here instead, instead of t- t- Technofiber? <laughs> I don't think she'd last more than one warm up uh, with an right. old racket like that. But I got one right. more. If she wants 15 to use ounces, one, I've got one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you have I, one? I, I, oh, I, I, I've got a gray one and a like the the new version and the uh, the of course the the traditional uh, black and green. But I've got a close friend who uh, a woman who used to work for me. She's from Poland, and I my plan is the next time Iga is on TV and there's coaching is legal, I want to sit next to my Polish friend and figure out what. The psychologist and Ega are always talking about because they talk a lot, and mm-hmm. I want a real translation. I don't just want you know sanitized subtitles at the bottom. I want to figure out what are these people talking about because they are animated. <laughs> I want to know. They're probably, they're probably using the B word, you know, saying let that gal over there she's a B, you know, <laughs> go out there and come on, beat her. Beat her. Beat that bee. Beat that bee. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, that's not Uncle CB. Uncle CB's back. Beat that bee. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but she goes out there and she plays just like that, though. She plays yeah. like she is not. She just, I, I, I love Ega's aggressiveness in her style of play. She awesome. is just. She's not out there to play around, and she said that her coach said we're like we don't go we don't go to these these tournaments trying to trying to you know make friends and, and get second place. We go to win. I was like, yeah. you know what? That I am not mad at that mindset. No, I'm not mad at. It. I don't like the okay. Isaac's about to hit an overhead, and I'm doing this. I, I I'm not into that right. at not into all. That. I agree. but I'm into how eager she is to get to the net and finish with a volley or a forehand. She, to me, she's not Mukova. She's not Caroline Garcia, but she's better because she doesn't miss and she absolutely returns. She she makes any average second serve look like a piece of crap. And I, I love how she returns. I, I know Sabalenka, I know Serena are that level, but Iga seems to be taking a lot of joy in the uh, displeasure of people getting broken twice, three times a set. Like Isaac would say, you know, ho biscuits and, and uh, breadsticks for everybody. Everybody just yeah. hand them out. Glorious. I tell you one person she will have an issue with, in my opinion, if she can yeah. get herself healthy and stay healthy. And that, and you just mentioned her. That is Muhova. I love Muhova. Muhova. She is, like I said, that that's my girl right there. And yeah. if she my is healthy, I believe she is the one again, because she plays like Barty. Yeah. Who can bring the type of game style that is extremely uncomfortable to Iga. And she has a good enough forehand because don't get me wrong. I feel like Coco can play that style of game as well, but Coco's forehand can't hold up. Mukova's forehand can hold up. And she to me will be the one that will be able to give Iga some troubles if she can stay healthy. What a great point, Isaac, because now I'm switching into sort of technical coach mode, her forehand is more compact and can handle the 105 miles an hour coming at her. Like exactly. Mukova can handle the, the, a men's serve, right? Uh, and Iga is going to dish some of that out where Coco's still having a little trouble. She, Coco's clearly going to improve that forehand. She's got the team. She's got the mindset. And she's the person who's holding the last slam. So I'm not worried about Coco, but – uh, very good insight that Mukova's forehand will hold up. And like you said, she's like Barty. Yeah, she kind of is. 
but she's four inches taller. She's even better than Barney. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, guys, I hate to be the timekeeper here, but oh, this love it. such a good conversation. What I like to do is just take a moment to go around and get final thoughts from each uh, person, because then we have to shoot over to the after show. Right on. Uh, IG Live. So, Craig, let's start it off with you. Well, I was just sitting here looking, you know, will uh, Alexis Olympia play with Olivia Lee in doubles in about uh, 18 years from now on the wow. So that's, I'm going to leave that thought with you. So I was just sitting there going, you know, I know Alexis Olympia, she's born in 2017. I believe Olivia uh, Lee, David Lee and Caroline Wozniacki's uh, child is probably pretty close to similar age. Will they play doubles at some point? Do you think? Interesting. <laughs> I, 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 I always, what was, what was Isaac's, I want the people who can't see to, to catch that, what that was. That was a, I hope so. I like right. It. I, cross. I mean, the cross. I know they're, I know they're such good friends, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Will their kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm always interested to see if, if uh, people who are very good athletes, you know, excellent athletes want their children to follow them. I've, I've seen both, both ways. Some of them don't, don't really want their kids to, to, to be athletes and then then or they want them to go somewhere in a different different uh, manner i'm just looking forward to 2024 i'm glad to be here being able to talk with you guys share a share a forum with uh, brothers on tennis and aj you know brothers at the net so i'm just ecstatic to be here and, and to be a part of the show so that's uncle cb signing off thank you um i'll go next uh 22 years ago i probably had a similar conversation like yeah joshua rafter and Ryan Sampras and Christian Sampras and maybe maybe Jaden Gill, Agassi, maybe those guys play one day. And, you know, some of them don't. Some of them play another sport. Our good friend's um, son is on the team where Jaden pitches, uh, University of Southern California, not far from you guys. So sometimes these guys stay in tennis and sometimes they don't. Uh, hopefully Miss Lee and, uh, um, you know, Serena's kid, hopefully they get together like Isaac said. That would be amazing. So fingers crossed too. I'll leave it to you guys. Last word, Isaac and Bryce. Uh, 2024. Well, I'm stick. I'm going to stick with the kid theme. And I tell you what, who you need to make sure you look out for in probably what about maybe 13, 12 years is Novak Djokovic's son. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Stefan right. Djokovic yes. is looking good. Because the son is always there. He's always on the courts with his dad. Absorbing. And I mean, just absorbing exactly the atmosphere, the whole he plays. You've seen him hit the ball. Like I said, kid wise. Do, yeah. Give give that kid about 10 or so more years and we may see the next coming of the Djokovic story. <laughs> I want I'm going to take a Duolingo Serbian course because I want to hear Novak coaching Stefan. That's going to be even better than ego psychiatrist talking or right. psychologist talking to ego. Yes. Novak, would you? How about Novak? Would you like to, to coach your son one day? You know, if uh, I, I appreciate your asking that, Craig. Uh, if Stefan would like me to coach him, <laughs> it would be my pleasure and my honor, and I will give my heart to all four corners of of Stefan's tennis game. You know, it's, uh... <laughs> oh, I love it. You are the best, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I have to stick with the kid thing, but I'm going to modify Craig's a little bit. Serena had a second daughter. Oh. So I yes. am wondering if we have the second coming of Venus and Serena. Uh -huh. Oh, I love it. Look at that. Yes. yes. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. You know, uh, Richard may already be playing with them right now. <laughs> oh my He's got the goodness. shopping car all ready to go. And, and if I'm smart, I buy the domain name Ohanian Sisters. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Absolutely. Yes. So, well, thank you once again, our great friends and guests at the Med Podcast, AJ, Cabria, and Craig Bell, my boy Isaac here. I hope you've had fun listening to us chat it up about 2023. And what we promise you is that next year in 2024, you'll have more of this happening. So, oh, thank you. You guys are the yeah, best. Thank Thanks so much. Yeah. Happy it's holidays, to everyone, and have a safe, safe remainder of the year.
Yeah. Signing off from Brothers on. Oh, no. We're going to say Brothers at the Net. The Net. Brothers at the Net. That's Nick, right. Craig, Isaac, and Bryce. Have a good one. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Have a good one. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.